Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka. Welcome to episode number 133 of ADHD for Smartass Women. So I spotted this post in our Facebook group a couple of weeks ago. Our Facebook group is also called ADHD for Smartass Women, by the way. I think we're almost 40,000 strong. And the poster asked this question, are any of you in a male-dominated field? I'm a beekeeper, and it's mostly male-dominated. I also share my beekeeping adventures on my YouTube channel. The other day, I posted a video, and of course, I forgot to add some things. Thanks, ADHD, which is my mistake. But holy cannoli, I got ate up by men mansplaining me and calling me dumb, ignorant, a liar, and a bad beekeeper. So after I read this, I knew I had to have this poster on our podcast for a number of reasons. I think that a lot of us ADHD women are in male-dominated careers. No surprise. We like to challenge the status quo. We want to be original. We're attracted to the out of the ordinary. I have this personal theory about female bodybuilders and that most of them are ADHD. I think I dabbled in that a little bit during college. I think that we also struggle with the sexist roles often assigned to women, not just because we like to challenge the status quo, but also because like ADHD men, we struggle with executive functions, things like planning and prioritizing and scheduling and organizing. Yet we're often required to be experts on these, not just for ourselves, but also for the rest of the family. I also found a career in beekeeping so interesting, out of the ordinary, and very ADHD. I've never met an actual real-life beekeeper before. So for all of these reasons, I am just delighted to introduce you to Adrian Smith. Adrian is a beekeeper who was accepted into the Oregon State Master Beekeeper Program. She will take her final journey person exam at the end of this month, and she's been studying honeybee beekeeping since 2014. She lives in central Oregon with her husband on a small farm with her bees, chickens, donkeys, a cat, and some koi fish. Welcome, Adrian. Did I get all that right? I think we just missed uh, ducks. 
Did we say geese too? No, I have a a plethora of random animals. (laughs) And because I live in the country on an acre, we're on six and a half acres and I have an acre and a half pond. I now know the difference between a duck and a goose. And when I moved here, (laughs) I did not know the difference. So (laughs) it was like green acres. So I want to talk about how you decided on beekeeping as a vocation, but what I would love to start with is, could we talk about your ADHD diagnoses first? Sure. sure. So what were the circumstances around your diagnosis as far as were you diagnosed as a child or as an adult or what? I actually was just diagnosed in December of last year, so 2020. And the reason why I even decided to see what was going on is because I started a YouTube channel and I was learning about how to edit videos and take videos and all that stuff. And I was having a considerably difficult time managing my time. And I found myself staying up until three o'clock in the morning. And, you know, it started to become like a real drag. And I'm like, why can I not take the advice that people are giving me and use it how they're using it, it's just not working for me. So I got, you know, with my therapist and everything, and and we decided that it was likely ADHD. So it's not something I actually pursued as a kid. And I actually don't have a lot of memories from when I was a kid, which I heard is common. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But do you recall always thinking when you were a child, like, why am I different? you know, like that you felt that you were different and you did things differently? As an only child, I think I was, um, my mom did a good job at not making me feel weird. So it wasn't ever really a question I asked myself. I do remember things like having sensory issues, which I only just learned after my diagnosis that that could be an ADHD thing as well. And like, I have major sensory issues still. And My earliest memory is, you know, the seam in my sock driving me nuts in my shoe and my mom being like so stressed out, you know, because I'm like, "Ah!" (laughs) and um, it still it still freaks me out having that issue. Like it's been happening like every day for like a week lately and I'm kind of like on the edge. Um, (laughs) So so does it come and go? go Does it come and go? Adrian? Or does it just depend on the does it depend on the socks? Like if you're wearing cashmere socks, you're fine. Oh, I try to buy thin socks, um, but they I, I I guess I haven't looked very hard for seamless socks. So it still it happens often, but I think mostly when I'm just like not myself all the way. <laughs> That's so interesting. You know, I did a podcast probably about two months ago now with Terry Matlin, that's all about women and sensory issues um, and ADHD. And so it's absolutely true that we tend to struggle more with those than men and men with ADHD. And then of course, just the general population without ADHD. So once you knew it was ADHD and you had the benefit of hindsight, Were there some symptoms that you always wondered about, but now you recognize them as clearly ADHD? Auditory processing disorder. I had no clue it was related to ADHD. I mean, I know it can be by itself, and Mm -hmm. then also it could be a symptom of ADHD. But once I learned that it was, my whole life 
made sense because that's actually been my biggest struggle basically my whole life is not being able to hear what or understand what people are saying. I can hear them. It kind of sounds like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> but I can't understand the words that they're saying. And it frustrates me. It frustrates, you know, everyone I'm around. I have to turn off the television. I have to turn off the music in the car, roll up the windows, make sure there's no extraneous sound. And it also really helps if I can see people's lips so that I can put everything together to see what they're saying. <laughs> That is fascinating. So were you diagnosed with auditory processing disorder as a child, or did this all of this just kind of come together at the same time with ADHD? So we weren't sure growing up what it was. Uh, I, I did have tubes in my ears as a kid because I did have like some sort of um, hearing issue, and that that helped, whatever that helped. And uh, But it continued to happen. I didn't really think anything of it because my mom is the same way, but she actually is deaf in one ear. So it's a little bit different, but kind of same. But as soon as we got back from being stationed overseas uh, with my husband, when we got back to Oregon, I went to go see if I could get a diagnosis on the auditory processing disorder. And what I ran into was that they basically said, we don't usually do this in adults and it's going to cost $1,500. And I'm like, well, I know I have it, (laughs) so I'm not going to pursue that. (laughs) Okay, but then when you read that a lot of people with ADHD also struggle with auditory processing disorder, it was another connection that you made, like with the sensory um, challenges. And I I know it's not called ADD anymore, which I only just recently learned, but I called that hearing issue ADD of the ears because it was like I was hearing everything at once and it was just too much. And so I couldn't understand any one single thing. And I wonder too, if the sensory stuff also played a role in that, right? If you're so highly sensitive anyway, I can imagine how that all sort of connects into one struggle, (laughs) one big struggle. Yes. It mostly happens in restaurants I love going out to eat, but at the music, the other people, uh, uh, sitting in strange chairs, you know, like it's like everything and then food smells and my husband talking to me and I'm just like, I can't hear anything. And then I start getting anxious and then grumpy. (laughs) So it's interesting. So it's the sensory stuff that causes then further problems with you being able to hear because you're just overwhelmed. Yeah. Huh. I love these kinds of discussions because there's always something new that comes up, you know, and I, I know that I have a podcast index because it just, you know, we had 130 some odd podcasts and I, I couldn't even remember what had I discussed before. And one of the categories that I built for myself is called, oh, that's ADHD because there are so many things that we have no idea are connected to ADHD. But when we learn that they are, I think that because I'm always thinking, I'm always questioning, okay, do I really have ADHD? And I, then I have to ground myself and I have to think about my childhood and I have to, you know, and I, I realize that, oh yeah, you do. And so the more things that I learn are connected to ADHD, that just confirms it even more. But then I still always ask. So I want to know what drew you to beekeeping? beekeeping? You know, um, I hobby hop 
that is something I do forever. And I obviously ADHD thing. I call it hobby hopping. I didn't know it was ADHD related until recently. It's just been always something I've been like highly frustrated with. And recently I was like, you know, frustrated because I was like, what am I doing? Like, where am I going with the world? And why can't I stick with the thing that I like? And I like it, but I stop anyway. And I don't understand. But sorry, that was slightly unrelated-ish. So I've gone through many things. And in 2014, I came across this ad on the internet. And it was called for the Flow Hive. And it was a, a new mechanism to put, well, it's a hive, but the harvesting mechanism for honey is uh, different. It's highly controversial. Oh, gosh, it's just like a, a thing that's really annoying. But I got really interested in it then. I was like, well, that is neat. It's supposed to be easier on the bees, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that's that's really interesting. Let's learn about beekeeping. So I like took in the deep dive and... <laughs> decided to be a beekeeper at that time we were stationed in Germany and so I couldn't like pursue it then but I bought that hive I had a I did kind of like a a crowdfunding and because it was six hundred dollars and we were in the military on a very small salary and um well my husband's in the military was I'm I wasn't so they helped me buy it. They paid, you know, friends and family paid for half. I paid for the other half because my husband's like, we're only spending $300. We're not spending $600 on this thing. And I was like, okay, let me see what I could do. And and that worked out. And then, so it got shipped to me in 2015, but I still wasn't able to actually like start beekeeping because We were renting here in Oregon at that time. And so I just kept, you know, I started going to, club and learning more and just completely like I, I freaking researched for years well, you <laughs> off been, and on and, and the- you've been into this for seven years now you're not hobby hopping you really really love this I do love it the hard part is is if I take any break from it even though I know I love it it is like pulling teeth to get back to it I was just telling my friend the other day, I was like, why does this happen? It's so frustrating because I know once I'm doing my beekeeping, inspecting my colonies, like I'm totally like in the zone and it's great, but I don't understand why I have all of a sudden this, this anxiety to do it and feel like I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. And and, uh, and then I can't, it's hard, but I have to do it or else that could be detrimental but sometimes I really push it off until like the last minute and that's not very good. But <laughs> Well, it's, it's that struggle we have with starting, right? And then we start and we're so proud of ourselves and the dopamine is flowing that motivates us further. And it's a big cycle. Then we want to do more of it, but I think we forget. And we probably also know if it's something we're really passionate about that it then becomes it's almost overwhelming how interested we are and how passionate we are. And then it becomes, you know, that's all you're doing is beekeeping. So Adrian, I'm wondering, is beekeeping as ADHD friendly as it sounds? Because what I know about beekeeping is you're outside in nature. I think you're moving a lot. 
I would expect you need to hyper-focus because if you don't, I don't know, is there an element of danger? I just think of bees and getting stung and all of that. So here's a fun fact about me so far for beekeeping and my experience is unusual. I have yet to be stung since I started playing with bees off and on since 2015. That's really interesting to me. I'm trying to keep up my record and people are like, just sting yourself already. And I'm like, why? This is awesome. (laughs) I can brag about not being stung yet. But um, bees are actually not very hardcore. Like they, obviously any colony could be different behavior wise, but my colonies are all nice. They don't really, don't really care that I'm messing with them and stuff. And so, but as far as it being ADHD friendly, I I do totally hyper focus once I'm in there and you're really only supposed to inspect one colony. So that's going through the frames and making sure everything's good to go and the colony's healthy. So you're only supposed to spend like 10 or 15 minutes in the hive. I'm so thankful that my bees are friendly because sometimes I'm in there for like two hours. and I don't even realize it. And my bees are just, you just kind of hear the hum of the bees. And it's very zen for me. I go slow. So it's not moving. You're moving a lot. But you have to be methodical and purposeful. That's so interesting. So normally you're only supposed to be in there for 15 minutes. And if you're in there longer, that's when the bees get upset. But somehow your bees love you so much, they let you go for two hours and they've never gotten angry. Right. And I find that unusual. I I mean, I don't really know if any other people accidentally do that, but (laughs) I always feel weird talking about it because I don't want to get lectured or something, you know. But why would you get lectured? Clearly, you are doing the right thing because who would want to get stung? That's what would scare me about doing beekeeping. I'm terrified of getting stung. And so I do always wear my protection equipment. So I'm mm-hmm. always wearing, like, I don't wear a full suit, but I wear a, ja- a ventilated jacket with a veil because, and then I wear nitrile gloves, the plastic kind. And that makes me feel comfortable and confident enough to do my beekeeping, which is what I always tell people, you have to be confident in your safety in order to be around your bees. Cause they can like, just like any other animals, they can feel if you're really anxious or uncomfortable. And I think you must put off like a pheromone or something that would make them nervous and uncomfortable. And sometimes I do get that way and I have to step away for a few minutes, but yeah, I haven't had them get angry. I have had dreams about it. (laughs) I haven't had it in person. That is so interesting (laughs) to me, though, that insects also pick up on your anxiety, your fear. It's like the biggest joke for me is, you know, we live in the country. And so when we moved here, I wanted to start riding horses. And my husband is six feet tall and he's really... He just has really good balance and I am, I just suck. Like literally every time, and we rode English, so there's no horn to hang on to. And so we would, every time we rode and we, we were doing hunter jumper, like the first three weeks he was jumping three foot fences. Every single time I tried to jump, I would get thrown. And I really feel like it was the <laughs> horses that were like, I don't trust her because she doesn't trust herself, right? And they picked up on it. And it just became the cyclical thing where they didn't trust me. I didn't trust them. They didn't, you know, so they're like, I'm not letting that woman on my back. I'm going to throw her. 
And you're saying that even insects, even honey, well, bees, I don't know. I'm going to ask you what the difference is between honeybees and other bees, but even bees pick up on that. Yeah, honeybees are really uh, are really interesting creatures. They're very, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word. Uh, altruistic, that's the word. Um, so if one honeybee is feeling sick, that honeybee is going to go leave the hive and go die wherever. It's all for the hive, all for the community. And I just... I, they're so cool. I think that's one another reason why they're very ADHD friendly is because there's so many things you can learn about them. There's so many different avenues you can take. You could, um, you know, sell honey. You could sell other hive products such as wax. You could make candles. You could, um, there's something that bees make called propolis. And apparently it's supposed to be good for you in a tincture. Uh, I forget. Sorry, maybe don't include that because I don't remember what the word is. <laughs> oh, it doesn't <laughs> but, uh, matter. There's, yeah, <laughs> but there's just like so many things you could do. And, and there's still so much to learn because even though, you know, for, like scientists have been studying them, there's still more to learn. And it's just really interesting. One thing I like about honeybee colonies is all the workers are female. <laughs> the queen is the queen and actually the workers are the hive mind the queen doesn't make the decisions really not like you would think and so because they work as a unit and um and then the drones are the boys and they make up a very small population of the hive and they actually kick them out in the fall and say peace go starve <laughs> Oh my God, that is absolutely fascinating. So that's a perfect segue. I want to know what are your experiences as a woman entering into this beekeeper community? Because I understand there's a total imbalance, right? There's hardly any women that do this. You find more as you get, you know, going and spread your wings and the internet, you know, but yes, it's absolutely a male dominated thing. I don't know why I haven't really looked into it, but usually uh, right now there's this imbalance of also young people versus older people. And it's usually old dudes. Um, sometimes they're really great. Sometimes they're kind of jerks <laughs> who are very um, stuck in their ways. And so I don't know if they thought that like, Girls couldn't do it as well or whatever, but it's still something that's kind of like teetery. So is it not really accepting, do you think, to young women who are interested in it? Or is am I misstating it? I, I mean, I guess if there's not a lot of women that are doing it, right, it's probably less common. And so maybe that's what causes... I don't know, them to think that, oh, this isn't what women do, or girls, young women. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I do know it will depend on your local community of beekeepers, because, like, almost every region has, like, a bee club, in, in the U.S. anyway. I don't know outside. But mine here in Oregon, in Central Oregon, they're very open. And so it's I've always felt accepted. I'm actually the vice president of our club um, wow. this year and last year. But 
they've always been very open. So I've not actually felt uncomfortable in person, but I feel uncomfortable sharing my stuff online. So when you're in person, you feel like, oh, everybody's really accepting. But then when it's online, and of course, people are nastier online anyway, right? Because there's not a human right in front of them. But do you feel that often what you say doesn't hold as much weight because they're looking and saying, oh, it's a woman who's saying it instead of a male beekeeper? I feel that way. Obviously, no one's come out right and said it, you know, that because you're a woman or whatever. But recently, there's been this uh, controversy in the beekeeping community about a gal in Texas who doesn't happen to wear any personal protection equipment when she deals with the bees. And whatever the backstory is on that, actually, another woman like really came after her. And then therefore, like once there's a negative other people feel comfortable to also be negative on top of that. So the thing with that is there are a bajillion male beekeepers who never wear protection equipment and they don't get ate up about it. Mm -hmm. They don't like people don't go after them and say that you're giving a bad example or that bees are dangerous. You should always wear the bee equipment. But I think it's just accepted that men often put themselves more in danger than women do. I don't know, but it just is like, that's the first thing that always comes to mind. Like you watch on YouTube, there's a ton of people who don't wear protection equipment. And how is that anybody else's responsibility besides the person who's doing the beekeeping? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, is part of the reason that you really enjoy beekeeping, does it have to do with the fact that there are so few women doing it? Does that add to your interest? I think so. For me, I've always been interested in what boys do. Like I skateboarded as a kid. I played, you know, well, I played softball because I couldn't be on the baseball team. But, you know, I played all those. I hung out with the boys all the time. And so I just think I'm inherently a little bit more interested in stuff that I'm not supposed to do. Which is so ADHD. I absolutely love it. <laughs> and I mean, that's all socialized in us, I think, anyway. So why wouldn't you want to do those things, right? I mean, they usually require more like physical activity too, right? The, the boy things, which I think we need. Our brains need. We need to be active. So I want you to tell us, what would surprise us about bees that we don't know? Because I think there's a lot of misinformation, right? Right. Uh, there is actually, I mean, they're not all mean. And uh, <laughs> you actually said you were going to ask the difference between honeybees and regular bees. Yeah. Or honeybees and bees. Uh-huh. Um, so there are over 4,000 bee species in the U.S. And that is like my favorite little tidbit of information because they come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. and like. Honeybees are cool because they live in a colony. So there's thousands of them in a colony. But the only other bees that are native to the U.S., um, honeybees are not native. Let me make sure I get that right. They're not native. But our native bees like bumblebees, they are the only other bee species that live in a colony. And I just think that's so cool. And there's a big difference between wasps and bees. Okay, they're like, mean. Wasps are mean. And hornets. Not all. 
Not all wasps, because there's also 4,000 different species of wasps uh, in the U.S. Wow. Um, so the ones that can be mean are the ones that live in colonies. But mm. most, which is like, I don't know, four or five species or something. And everyone else is like um, uh, solitary. So they live in little holes in the ground by themselves. And stuff like that and usually if they're just a solitary bee or a wasp they are they're not really aggressive so honeybees in general i'd say they're non-aggressive obviously that could be different depending on the colony themselves and the situation surrounding their environment and all those variables but for me as we talked about earlier um, my bees are very nice so far I haven't had, <laughs> it's going to happen, I know, but it, <laughs> I haven't had any negative experiences quite yet. Can I ask you, is there or are there species of honeybees that are much nicer than other species of honeybees? So honeybees are all the same species. Oh, honeybees. <laughs> See how much I know? That's okay. Um, so the honeybees versus other bees is that honeybees are the only bees that really make honey. And they make it in excess to share with us because they're very good foragers. And bumblebees also make a little bit of honey, but nothing to share. That's just for their tiny colony. They have like 50 to 100 co uh, colony members. But yeah, so all honeybees are, are honeybees. They're all uh, apis mellifera, but there's also apis serrana. Well, I guess I, I don't know if that's a different species or anyway, the apis serrana is the Asian honeybee. And do we it's have those here or those are no, not? Okay. They're not, they're not supposed to be here. So talk to me about, you know, People, you know, you're constantly hearing, and I mean, I was part of this, you know, so I planted certain plants in our garden that honeybees like, because we've been hearing that we need to save the honeybees, that they're endangered. But you're telling me, no, they're not. <laughs> well, I think it's funny because you specifically said honeybees, but everything you see now just says save the bees, period. I don't see save honeybees, but I think everyone, when they hear bee, they think of a honeybee instead of all the 4,000 different <laughs> species of bee that we have here in America, in North America, those are the, our native bees are actually the ones that are in extreme danger. You know, we're losing bumblebees all the time. We're losing uh, leaf cutters. Those are my favorite leaf cutter bees. And um, there's minor bees and mason bees. And they're all, though everyone else is solitary, they live by themselves. <laughs> so what does a leafcutter bee look like? Do we have those? I mean, have I seen them before? I feel like, for me, I don't know if it's a part of ADHD, but I feel like I'm more observational than the average person. Mm -hmm. um, so I can like see a bug or something from like 10 feet away and I go up, you know, I run up and I look at it and I'm like, oh. So I think most people, not 100%, but I think most people kind of assume that would be a honeybee too. So they do look different if you know what you're looking at. I find them, the leaf gutter bees, so they have mandibles because they cut pieces of leaves, little round pieces, and they stick them in their hole and they 
create cocoons for their little baby bees. And every year, gardeners get really worried about their plants because they cut circles out of leaves, but they're not going to take enough to like hurt the plant. And plus, they need it way more. And oh, so, so that's why they're called leaf cutters. Yeah. So if I have leaves and they have holes in them and I get all upset, that's a leaf cutter that did that? Yeah, they're usually like almost, they're not always perfect circles, but they're all, always like almost circular yeah. or a little bit oblong, but it's like not jagged or anything. So just leave it. Don't spray the darn thing with soap or whatever I use. No, <laughs> please don't. Ah, that's hurting those bees. Yeah, it could. Okay. I thought it was some disgusting insect. I didn't know it was a bee. (laughs) Actually, you know, I just shared this, you know, in my gardening group. Every year I do this. Actually, I take a picture of my, they like my lilac leaves a lot. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I take a picture of the leaves and I share it on my group. And I'm like, don't freak out. Don't do anything because it's our bees doing this. (laughs) People are like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And so like, once you're kind of aware mm-hmm. what are bees and stuff, you like I, I think that I got into honeybees. I also got into native bees because there is a difference and there's more to learn about them. And it's all very exciting. <laughs> I think I think uh, <laughs> learning stuff all the time is like my biggest my biggest hyper focus. Well, we are lifelong learners. You give us an interest and we're not just going to learn one book's worth. No, we're going to learn years worth. So that makes sense to me. Okay. I have one more question about bees. So bumblebees are the big black ones, right? Well, they come in a lot of different flavors, but they actually, they're small ones too. And are uh, they always black? No. Some of them have orange on them, white stripes. There's like the yellow faced bumblebee. There's a like orange banded bumblebee. And each region has their, you know, of the U.S. has their own species that are more prevalent. But there's carpenter bees that are all black, usually. Sometimes they they have a yellow on their thorax. Are they huge? Which is the. Okay. So. Well, there's also huge bumblebees, which is why I'm like. "Eh." There's huge bumblebees that are black, right? Well, partway. They're not all black. No, but I think if you're talking about all black, I think that's carpenter bees, but I don't have them here specifically, so I'm not. So this is my question. I heard that bumblebees don't sting. And they're... They can. They can sting? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Um, They do sting. Oh, my best friend sat on one when we were kids. And that, yeah, but they're just not very aggressive, but they actually look up some videos on YouTube. (laughs) They can sting. Absolutely. But the, the best information is that all female bees can sting. Uh, Male bees cannot because they do not have a stinger. Oh my gosh. I just love that. Okay. So they're the aggressive ones in um, the bee community. (laughs) The females. Well, they have a lot to protect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So when my kids were growing up, we have a lot of those big black bees and I had read somewhere that they don't sting or someone had told me that. And so their entire childhood, you know, whenever these big black bees would come around them, they're, oh no, they're so friendly. Little did I know they could have gotten stung. So I lied to them so they wouldn't be scared. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, that's okay because they're not going to sting unless they're like really threatened. And um, from what I know about carpenter bees, which is what I think you're talking about, they burrow into wood and make holes. I don't know if you have noticed that. That would tell us for sure whether or not they were carpenter bees. But the males of the carpenter bees act aggressive but can't sting. <laughs> ah, well, that's kind of <laughs> typical, isn't it? <laughs> This is so hilarious. Like I'm sitting here, I'm totally fascinated by what you're telling us. And I just love, because I love this because it just goes to show. I mean, here we have a podcast on ADHD and we're totally like diving into bees. It's just, I love it. And it's interesting. It's fun. So before I let you go, Adrian, I want to know what are the ADHD traits that you recognize in yourself that you feel are responsible for you know, your successes? I think the ability to hyper-focus on something is probably the thing that's, like, I become very knowledgeable in something relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. And and I have to owe it to hyper-focus because it's kind of uh, on the unhealthy range sometimes. Because <laughs> I will Andy. do it and I will read and read and, and I can't stop and I'll research uh, the, the crap out of anything I'm interested in. (laughs) I resemble that remark. Um, (laughs) Totally. And so what do you think um, the key to living successfully with your ADHD brain is? Is there one thing that, you know, you just like, this is how I live with my ADHD and this is what makes it so much easier when I'm dealing with what I'm supposedly, you know, have a weakness in? Not your strengths, not your honeybees or bees. <laughs> sure. I have to give props to my husband here because he allows me to pursue my interests. He is very supportive in everything I do. And, you know, he also, I talk to him when I'm starting to feel this way, but I talk to him and I say, you know what, I feel kind of like I want to stop doing this whatever it is at the time and he's like well you can't just keep doing it if you don't want to you know if you don't like it because then it'll be miserable and I actually had this conversation with him about beekeeping last year because it really is up and down for me about every interest that I have and I could drop it and I'd probably be fine but I no, I really like it but I I don't remember where else I was going (laughs) well you know what this brought to my mind, and I talk about this all the time, is that Ned Hallowell is always talking about um, we really need to be working on the right creative to be happy. And it's basically what you're saying, right? There are times when you get frustrated with it, you may feel overwhelmed with beekeeping, but when you really sit back and think about it, it sounds like it is your right creative. Most of the time, I will. I will. <laughs> Most of the time, it is. I've done. I've. A, I am a creative person in general. I do all the art things and the photography things. But yeah, it's something I really, really enjoy. And then the other thing that I thought was about your husband that. You know, for us with our ADHD brains, I believe that the two most important things are the environment that you're in, meaning your career and what you choose to do with your life, but then probably just as important are the people you hang around with and that, that, you know, that main partner in your life that will really support you and love you for you just being you, you know, they're not constantly on you about, you need to change this. You need to do this. No, they just love you 
exactly the way you are. He is a little frustrated that our dining room table is like a foot deep with a bunch of random stuff. But uh, I think anybody is frustrated with that. I am, but it's still there. (laughs) But yes, I'm very thankful for my husband because he's always, always allowed me to pursue the interests that I have, which is very fortunate because I married him at 22 and he was 29. And so he understands that I still had, you know, growing up and experimenting to do. Totally, totally. You you did well on that, Adrian. So my last question is, do you have an ADHD workaround for us? Something that really helps you to, I don't know, stay on task, you know, feel good, anything? I'm not sure if that's a thing for me. <laughs> okay, so when you're struggling with something that would be an ADHD symptom or trait, is there something that you can rely on to kind of get yourself righted? And it's okay if there isn't. I'm not sure because I think I've, I'm not, I I mean, like I just got diagnosed a few months ago and and I didn't know this was an issue, but I've always had the problem where I was like, I don't want to do this. So how can I do this? (laughs) But I'm not sure. I, I don't know if there is one for me. You know what? And that is a completely respectable answer especially given the fact that um, you were just diagnosed. Because I think, you know, initially it's sort of all about, oh my God, what does this mean? And learning about your brain and how it best works. But once we understand why our brain does, the, why our brain does what it does, only then can we then, you know, look at certain workarounds and then test them and see, you know, if they work for us. Because just because it works for me certainly doesn't mean it would work for you. Yeah. So, Adrian, where can people find you if they want to know more about you and what it is that you do? I uh, started a YouTube channel last August, and it's called Farmstead Smith, such so as youtube.com slash Farmstead Smith. And I started it to share my beekeeping stuff. I also share, you know, about my farm life. And just like everything else, it's kind of up and down. Sometimes I don't upload for a while. <laughs> And, um, but I just hope that the people actually who, who enjoy it will stick around. And I was very into it for about the first, you know, six months. I was doing it like nonstop all the time for six months. I totally burnt myself out. Yep. And, uh, then I took a couple months break and now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm just going to accept if I don't feel like doing this, I have to not do it or else I'll hate life. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So it's Farmstead Smith. So it's youtube.com slash farmstead smith yes okay and adrian thank you so much for spending time with us here today you are such a delight so adrian you were nervous when you started right or before you got on now that you've done it are you proud of yourself do you feel really good i do and i did actually have a really good time and for me the video really is helping me feel comfortable because I can tell your body language, which is an important cue for me. And what you smirk at when I say stuff, because I love making people smile. And so um, this was very helpful. And I really appreciate you being accommodating in that way. 
Absolutely. So I want you to pause long enough to number one, celebrate the fact that you did something that was scary, but also to be aware of the fact that it's that dopamine now that's firing that makes you feel really good because you did that scary thing and you're proud of yourself. Yeah. Now I can go clean my rabbit cages. (laughs) You're motivated. Yeah. To do something (laughs) yucky that's just been on your list forever. Um, I love it. Okay. So Adrian, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. Thanks, Tracy. Absolutely. So that's what I have for you this week. If you like this episode with Adrian, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And your reviews, they only help in that regard. One more thing, if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio or written message. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.